Hey, Rockbridge, welcome to our services, whether you're watching us online or at any of our six locations spread throughout Northwest Georgia and up into the greater Chattanooga area. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team. Hey, we're going to wrap up a series today that we've been in for the last several weeks, but before we do, just want to remind you uh, of what we believe is our most important service of the week. That's our first Wednesday service uh, that will occur this coming Wednesday at all of our locations. We'll pray together, take the Lord's Supper together, and worship together. Also, as part of this, we'll do a brief uh, little business meeting where we'll look at and uh, give affirmation to, we hope, our church's 2021 budget. Uh, most of you that are members that are signed up to our email list, you got that. You also got uh, some invitations for an online Q&A if you have questions or want to just inquire about uh, what we're doing with our budget process. You can also email Daryl. He's our executive pastor at daryl at rockbridge.cc. But first Wednesday this coming week. Okay, so we've been in this series for the last several weeks, and, and we've just said, hey, you know, sometimes life is uncomfortable. Sometimes things happen that we wish didn't happen. And so what we've just sort of said is, hey, what we cannot afford to do, lest we miss God, is we cannot afford to just believe that, hey, everything in life is supposed to be comfortable, that everything in life is supposed to not involve overcoming fear, that things in life don't should not require courage. And we've just sort of looked at people in Scripture who had to get uncomfortable, embrace uncomfortable, and in doing so, uh, encountered God or moved closer to God or fulfilled God's calling or purpose in, in their lives. So today we're going to wrap this up and, and kind of sum it up. We'll look at a guy who got uncomfortable uh, and was put in a real physically uncomfortable situation. We'll look at him in just a minute. But to introduce this, I, I just want to make a general statement, unpack it a little bit, and then get into the scripture. The statement is this, that God really wants us to live above our circumstances. And, and I don't know the circumstances that any of us are in necessarily other than my own and, and those of you that I, I know more specifics about through prayer requests and things of that nature. But God wants us to live above our circumstances. And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. It, you come home from work and, you know, or, or I ask you right now and you can type in an answer if you want on your, in your chat room uh, or in the comment section. Hey, if you were to rate your day or your life in this season right now, scale of one to 10, 10 being as close to heaven as you can imagine, and uh, one being as close to the other place as you can imagine, what would you say? And most of us, you know, whether we're a five or a seven or a nine or a two, most of us are going to give that score based on the circumstantial evidence that we're experiencing. So man, if life is good, finances are good, health is good, job is good, marriage is good, kids are good, you know, we're like seven, eight, nine. If money's tight and, you know, we're waiting a test result on something and, you know, we've got, had some bad social media stuff, then we might be like a four or a five. Now, here's what I'm saying, and here's what I'm saying that God wants us to, to understand. If your relationships are a five and your finances are a four and you're worried about this and afraid of that and that, you added all that up and took the average of it and you were like, man, I'm just a four right now. God wants you to be higher than a four in your mindset, in your heart, in your soul, in your hope, in your joy. God wants you to be above your circumstances. And that's hard for us to do, right? That's hard for us to imagine, right? Because so much of how we base how we're doing, who we are, how life is going, what direction things are going, is simply based on the circumstantial evidence. 
But we're going to talk today about how we in Christ can live above our circumstances. Now, let me put this another way in keeping with our series brand and our series theme. Can we be comfortable in the uncomfortable? When things are uncomfortable, can we be comfortable? Can we live above our circumstances. If you have a Bible, love for you to turn with me to the book of Acts or turn your Bible on or you can follow along, book of Acts. And we're going to see Paul and Silas in their uncomfortable situation and we'll unpack it for just a minute. Here we go. So let's talk through this, what's going on, big picture. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word and the gospel of Asia at that time. Now, in, in my Bible, the heading for Acts chapter 16 is this big, massive strategic heading that says the evangelization of Europe. So he is going to, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is going to talk about how the word of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Christ from the dead, how it started to spread through an entire continent. So we could even make this claim that the spread of Jesus and the Christianity that eventually reached the Americas where you and I live started right here in the context of Acts chapter 16. So the Holy Spirit had prevented them, for whatever reason, we don't know, from going into the gospel of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of God did not allow them to go there. So they're being prevented. They're assuming God wants them to take the word everywhere, but for whatever reason, he's directing them to a specific place. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul gets a vision, gets a dream. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news, the gospel, the message of Christ, there. So evangelization of Europe, something big, something promising, something tied to the heart of God, the purposes of God is at stake here in Acts chapter 16. Now for context, I'll show you just kind of a map, and this is called Paul's second missionary journey. His first missionary journey was focused down in this region. So the second missionary journey, he goes up here and he tries to get into Bithynia, tries to get into some areas, ends up over here, has this vision at Troas, and he goes into Europe, evangelization of Europe. And we're going to zero in on this town here called Philippi and see what happens as God goes to Philippi. Now, here's what happens when he gets to Philippi. He goes and he meets some people and a businesswoman named Lydia. She receives Christ as her Savior, gives him the steering wheel of her life. She and her whole house are baptized, and this becomes a new church in the town of Philippi. So it's looking good. God told me to go here, and when I got here, man, everything is going great. So if you said, Paul, how would was your day, Paul? How's it going? I mean, the evidence would say, the circumstances would say, man, we're an eight, we're a nine, we're pretty close to a 10 because we're having favor, we're seeing results. Well, then they encounter a slave girl who's, who's being held captive and in bondage by an evil spirit, but also some evil guys, and she has the ability to tell the future and they make money off of her. She's a fortune teller. Well, Paul rebukes that spirit in her, and so suddenly she's liberated. She also comes to faith in Christ, but she can no longer tell the future, which means these guys have just lost their job, just lost income. So they incite a riot and a mob violence. 
Paul and Silas are beaten. They're immediately, in an act of injustice, thrown into a Roman prison, which is not a pretty place. And uh, they're also flogged and they're whipped and they're having incredible pain. So we go from, man, we're having a good day. It's an eight or a nine. To, uh, things around us are awful. And, you know, we're talking about evangelizing an entire region. But now we're in pain and now we're in the stockade and we're in prison Life is not good. And let me summarize it in the scripture. So her owners, the slave girl owners, realized that their hope of profit was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or to practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against them. And the chief magistrate stripped them off of their clothes, ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Now, here's our question. Can Paul and Silas... Be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Now, now living in a, in a great place like America, you know, we don't really have to envision such uncomfortableness. But we're humans and we live in a broken world and a fallen world. And so we all experience the uncomfortable. And what happens when we experience the uncomfortable and the tension that we've created in this question we're asking in this final part, part four of this series, is how does this work? And because you know, we, we, we want to believe that everything in life is supposed to be comfortable, but when it's not, can we be, can we be comfortable in the uncomfortable? And here's what you and I tend to do, and, and we're no different, and, and I would have to suspect Paul and Silas have this temptation too. The temptation is to jump to a conclusion, Right? I mean, the circumstantial evidence around us causes us to jump to conclusions, that's, which is not always wise, which is not always healthy, but we start jumping to conclusions about God, about ourselves, or about other people. God is not good. God has forgotten about me. God must not care. Maybe I've done something to make God mad, and suddenly God is punishing me. I mean, we've all thought those thoughts and said those things, and, and so we're in the uncomfortable. We jump to un conclusions that further exasperate us our uncomfortable situation. We jump to conclusions about ourselves, like maybe I'm the victim, maybe <coughs> maybe I'm not worth anything, maybe I didn't hear from God, maybe God doesn't have a purpose or a plan for me, and, and, and that pushes us deeper and deeper, not into these physical prisons, but into a prison, a cycle of despair and doubt and discouragement. We jump to conclusions about others, and we start blaming them, and we, you know, they become the enemy, and it's their problem. If it weren't for you, I'd be happier. If it weren't for you, life would be better. So it's so easy just to jump to conclusions. Now, now here's the challenge for us in all of this, okay? Because you and I have all encountered people who went through two very similar situations, right? Maybe somebody went through a divorce. Maybe somebody went through an illness or, or cancer. Maybe somebody handled, you know, had to deal with a job loss. And, and, and each person went through it differently. One person went through it and, and they were just struggling with the negativity or just struggling with severe doubt or, or struggling with a bad attitude or, or just some kind of toxic maybe emotion. And then you know other people and they went through the same thing or a similar thing and, and you looked at them and like, man, how are you still smiling? How, how is your hope still alive? And how come you're still kind of got this joy that seems undefeatable? 
And, and so it, maybe it depends on the conclusion we're jumping to, right? But here's what we all need to know. The conclusion we jump to is based on our perspective that we began with, right? It's based on how we see it. The conclusion we jump to in the uncomfortableness of life is based on the perspective that we're holding. So if we sort of have this belief about God that God is good if life is good, then when life is not good, we, we reverse engineer, so that must mean God is not good, right? If we sort of believe that, you know, I've got to walk around on edge and, you know, I've already got, I've got to walk around just kind of with my head on a swivel, like what's going to, what, something bad's going to happen to me today because maybe God's forgotten about me or I'm no good or God's getting back at me. Then when something negative happens, something uncomfortable comes along, you jump to the conclusion about yourself that is not biblical. That's not God's heart for you. Or, or if you really believe that other people in this world Hold the key to your happiness. Hold the switch on your heart. Joy, not joy. Joy, not joy. And they have the ability just to flip it and, or turn it on or turn it off at will. Then as soon as somebody sins against you or somebody hurts you or somebody disappoints you or somebody doesn't meet your expectations, then you're going to, you know, boom, that switch is off and you're going to have this jump to this conclusion like, man, they are my enemy. They are my problem. If they would just go away, my life would be better. My life would be more comfortable so the conclusion we jump to is really just based on the perspective that we start with or how we see it so we've kind of talked about how we see it or how we tend to jump to these conclusions when life gets or things get uncomfortable but let's go back to our two friends our two Christians who have been given this initial charge to start evangelizing the entire continent of Europe and it seems dead-ended because they're deep inside a Roman prison in stockades. And what conclusion have they jumped to? So we go to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. So they're praying and praising to God. Now, this is where, you know, I'm tempted and maybe you are join me to not believe the Bible. Right? And that sounds bad. I'm a pastor, right? I mean, I, I, I sort of teach the Bible. It's kind of what I do, right? And you, you, but what I've taught you at Rockbridge, if you've been here long enough, is always to pay attention to the tension or pay attention to the paradoxes in Scripture. When something jumps out that you're like, whoa, that doesn't seem right. Whoa, that doesn't seem normal. Or whoa, that seems crazy. Hang out right there because that's what God's trying to speak to us or where God, the principles that are timeless will speak to us. So we're in a historic story with a timeless principle that's jumping out because how are they praying and singing hymns to God? It has something to do with their perspective. And we said our perspective is so important so that we, don't, that we, so that we jump to the right conclusion, not the wrong conclusion. So here, here's the application point. Before jumping to a conclusion, we need to put prayer and praise in to our perspective. We need to put prayer and praise into our perspective because prayer puts us back in dependence upon God and we are praising God. We're not praising God because of what the Romans did necessarily to us. We're praising God for who he is and we're not doubting who he is. We're not doubting what he's about. And see, for so many of us, the reason our perspective gets so jaded or gets so negative or gets so cynical or gets so suspicious or we want to blame or we want to shame or we want to condemn or we want to complain is we're missing prayer and praise. 
We're missing prayer and praise. We're, we're missing looking to God, depending upon God. Now, now for some of us, here's, here's what this means, okay? It's so easy, is it not, to jump, that's the expression, to jump to the conclusion. So here's what I would say, okay? You go through and you hit a patch of uncomfortable. You hit a patch where, where, gosh, life is just difficult. Life is just problematic. Life is just not going my way. This is not what I hoped for, not what I asked for, not what I dreamed about, not what I prayed about. And, and when you hit one of those patches, here's what we need to do. Before you say anything, before you reach a conclusion in your mind or a condition of your heart or adopt a mindset of hopelessness or doubt or despair and negativity, then I would say first just put pause, push pause. I, I'm not going to jump to a conclusion. I'm not going to make a statement. I'm not going to vent to anybody. I'm not going to get on social media and write a dissertation about my heart condition. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to pause long enough to pray and praise to put that and let that shape, frame, filter, clarify how I see it. And then instead of jumping to a wrong conclusion, I'll jump to a new conclusion. A new conclusion that factors in the God who put his son on the cross instead of me and for me. That factors in that there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem that that fact of history cannot change. And that's a settled fact in my heart. That is the source and the basis of my hope. So if I'm Paul and Silas, my hope is not the fact that I'm stuck in a prison. My hope is in the fact that Jesus was stuck in a tomb until God the Father resurrected him through the power of God the Spirit. And that's a game changer, right, on how we see it. And that enables us to pray to that God instead of run from that God. And that enables us to praise that God instead of put that God on the witness stand and start giving indictments of why he's not good or why he can't be trusted, which is exactly what Satan wants us all to do. Because we got praise now and prayer now into our perspective. Now let's push this on a little deeper and see what's really going on. Because remember, perspective is how we see it. So let's push this and see the scope of what's going on. Because this isn't something crazy. This isn't something incidental. This isn't an oops or an obstacle that God didn't know about. So let's go back to the text. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. There's their perspective being formed. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, now we're listening to them. Now, now, go back to what we said at the very beginning, verse 10, Acts 16. We decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, now maybe they expected it to look like a Billy Graham revival, but in God's economy, he can have a revival in prison. His purpose can be fulfilled when you're in chains after you've just beaten, been beaten severely by an angry, violent mob because God's purpose will prevail. God's purpose will prevail. Now, it, it may not have looked like this, and you may be tempted to say, God, why did you call me here? Why did you send me to Macedonia just to put me in prison, just to cause me this heartache, just to cause me... Because there's some prisoners that need to hear the good news, Paul. And the way my purpose is fulfilled is one person at a time, 
one moment at a time. And yet this problem, instead of thwarting my purpose, actually accelerated my purpose. And so now we're in this beautiful situation where the right perspective helps us look at this problem the right way. So the right perspective is I'm going to trust God no matter what and or, because you don't always get this, and I can see his purpose or I can trust that he has one that prevails. So again, I don't know where we all are and I don't know what your uncomfortable looks like right now. And, and, I, and you know, when I started this, it's like, God, I don't know how it's possible to be comfortable when I'm uncomfortable, but with the right perspective shaped by prayer and praise with the prevailing purposes of God, when those things are operating clearly in our psyche, in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and we're leaning on that, then here we go. Now I can trust God no matter what. I can trust God when I'm in chains. I can trust God when I'm in prison. I can trust God when I'm in a pandemic. I can trust God when the world is crazy. I can trust God no matter what, even in 2020, because I can see his purpose or I can trust that he has one that is going to prevail no matter what. That is going to prevail no matter what. Because here's why this is so important. And listen, listen, listen. Uh, people don't just, people don't hate pain. Now, you're like, well, I hate pain. Listen, people don't hate pain. People hate pain without a purpose. I mean, think about it, right? I've ran a marathon, painful, okay? So it's like, why would you do that? Because there's a purpose. Those, of, those, of, those ladies in the room that have gone through childbirth, I mean, that's painful. There's a purpose, right? Those of you that have endured anything physically, you know, whether it's to make a sports team or survive a tough practice or to go through a tough workout, right? I mean, that, those, those things can be painful, but there's purpose. Have you ever had to have a difficult conversation with your spouse, but at the other side of that conversation, there was, there's a purpose of strengthening or saving or improving your marriage? If you're a parent, haven't you given pain to your kids through godly discipline? But there was a purpose, there was a purpose. I mean, I know my parents, I mean, they inflicted pain on me. But look back at now, I see their purpose. And so I'm like, thank you, mom and dad, for doing that. Thank you for that, right? See, so people don't just hate pain. They hate pain without a purpose. And here's Paul and Silas in pain. Here's Paul and Silas, quote, uncomfortable, but they're comfortable because God's purpose is being fulfilled as they're singing and praising and all the other prisoners, including, and there's also someone else who's listening. We'll meet him in just a second. And all these other people are listening. And here's what I know. If Christianity is going to prevail, we have to prevail in speaking and singing the gospel of Jesus so people are watching us in our uncomfortable because the hope and the light of the gospel often shines brightest in the darkest seasons of us being uncomfortable. So here's what we need to know about God. God may or may not change your problem, but he always wants to change your perspective. He may or may not change your problem, but he always wants to change your perspective. Because this doesn't, when he doesn't change our problem, it doesn't make our situation different, but it makes us different in our situation. It makes us different in our situation. And what we're about to see is this. It's almost like two stories at work here, or part A, part B. Part A, God doesn't do anything. Part A, God sends them to Macedonia. They have initial success, and they're thrown into prison. 
And I, God, why didn't you prevent that? Why didn't you stop that? And in part B, what we're going to look at now is, is actually a miracle happens. And, and the miracle is, is amazing. And, it's, and you're like, God, why didn't you do that sooner? And God, why didn't you, you know, start that earlier? And why, where, where have you been, God? But what we're going to see is because God, Paul and Silas's perspective was the same, they were able to prevail for God's glory in their situation. Look what happens in the text. So crazy. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone cha everyone's chains came loose. They're free. Now, again, what conclusion do I jump to and you jump to? And I'm just reading this. I'm like, God, you could have spared me a whole bunch of trouble if you'd have caused the whole earthquake thing to happen earlier. That would have been great, God. It would have been better if that happened about 9 o'clock at night when I was getting whipped and beaten for the 30, 13th time. But suddenly there's this earthquake. The doors were open and the chains came loose. And now what do you think? If you're writing the story, if I'm writing the story, if I'm in the story, you're in the story, and the next verse, what's it going to say? And Paul and Silas hightailed it and got out of there as quickly as possible. Well, that's what the jailer thought because he woke up, he saw the doors of the prison standing open, and so he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. That was the Roman punishment for a failed jailer. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, because we're all here. Again, there's the tension. There's the paradox, right? Because Matt Evans is sitting here saying, I wouldn't have been there. I'd have tiptoed out of there and hightailed it to the you know, safest place I could find. That's what I would do. That's what I'd want to do. That's not what Paul and Silas did. They weren't ruled by their pain. Their problem didn't dictate their perspective or their pace or their understanding of God's purpose. So here's the question. What open door are you looking for today? If God gave you a miracle right now, what would you ask for? You know, is it for pressure relief? For my problem, quote unquote, to be solved? for prosperity to be gained or to be regained. Because I think a lot of us, we're just saying, hey, God, open the door and cause this to go away or bring this back. Or God, I hope 2021 is so much better than 2020. And have we ever stopped and said, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God. You can do anything you want and you can do when you want to do it. Obviously, this story tells us that. And God, when, when you delay your hand, there's got to be something more than just relieving pressure, solving the immediate problem, or restoring prosperity. Because Paul and Silas didn't just escape immediately, though they could have. Paul and Silas didn't stop. Man, man our biggest problem has been solved. And our biggest problem is that we're in shackles. Now the shackles went away and they remained. So there's something more going on. And maybe there's another open door we as believers in the church need to be receptive to. So look what happens. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The one who beat them is now kneeling before them. And apparently all through the night as they sang and prayed, sang and prayed, prayed and praised, 
he's been listening to these songs about Jesus, about God. He says, you know what? My biggest problem is not keeping these prisoners in jail. My biggest problem is the same biggest problem that you and I face. We all face a sin and a death problem. We all face a sin and a death problem, and we all need to be saved. And so he says, he asked the question, and we go back to Acts 16.10. They concluded that God wanted them to preach the good news to those who were in Europe. And so Paul and Silas say, the same thing I would say to us in this room, those listening online, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Trust Christ Give him your sins, trust Christ, give him the steering wheel of your life, surrender to him, follow him, choose him, turn away from your sinfulness, and you'll be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds, gave them some relief right away, without delay, he and all his family were baptized. So I, so I go back to my question. What open door, what miraculous supernatural open door are we looking for? For Paul and Silas, when they were praying, apparently they weren't asking God to remove their chains. Apparently they weren't asking God for some miraculous escape from prison because that, that opportunity came before them and they passed on it and they stayed. They were looking to fulfill the purpose of preaching the gospel to those that God sent them to. And it began with prisoners in jail, and it began with the jailer who oversaw their, build, their, their beat down and their flogging. And then we can simply say Christianity exists in the Americas, in the Western Hemisphere, because maybe Paul and, Paul and Silas chose not to escape. They chose to fulfill their purpose in that prison cell as the jailer kneeled before them. So, so in summation, here's what we say. When life gets uncomfortable, we must have a perspective shaped by praise, that God is always praiseworthy no matter what. This is why we sing in church. This is why missing church is like going out into the world or missing corporate church or gathered church where, there, where we're singing and praying together. This is why that's dangerous because I read texts like this and I believe singing is a form of spiritual warfare where we can push back the doubts and the discouragement and the sense that maybe we're going to live defeated because singing and praising God shapes how we view the world as it stirs our affections and aligns them back to God's grace and God's power and God's glory. We need to be praising people no matter what. Because you walk out these doors, you become under attack. You walk out, turn your computer off, shut it down, and, and it's so easy to drift to the thought of maybe God's not in control, or maybe God doesn't love me, or, or, or maybe I've been forgotten about, or maybe I've been disregarded. But the songs we sing help shape the heart condition we have. And so we need our perspective to be shaped by praise. Second summation statement is this, an understanding of and a dedication to God's prevailing purpose. We must maintain an understanding and a dedication to God's prevailing purpose. Now, when I say prevailing purpose, what we mean right now in this season that we're in 
is the purpose that God wants to prevail is his purpose of saving more people. I, I, I cannot tell you exactly the purposes of presidential politics in the United States of America. Can't do it. Not going to try to do it. I cannot tell you God's purpose specifically for the pandemic and why, what all that stuff that's going on. I can't tell you specifically about your situation and why you know your life is uncomfortable because of what happened at work last week or what's going on with your kids or what's going on in your marriage. I can't do that, but I can tell you based on the authority of the Word of God, God's prevailing purpose that we all need to assume is always on the table and always at work is God wants to see more people saved, more people baptized, more people given Jesus the throne, the steering wheel of their lives, period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. And if we at Rockbridge that we started this church in 2002 and our deal was there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our communities that did not know Christ, that was why God put this church on the map. That is why God put Paul and Silas into Europe and even into a prison. Because that purpose is what God is committed to seeing through and seeing fulfilled. And as we turn our hearts to Christmas and kind of get prepared for Christmas, we go back and see this in Jesus' story, right? Remember Mary and Joseph, and Joseph's like, I'm going to divorce Mary because she's pregnant and the baby isn't mine. And look what the angel says to Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, from God. She will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And we just watched one jailer and his whole family be saved from their sins and go public immediately with baptism. So at Rockbridge, we are fired up because our Christmas journey, which is our Christmas series, kicks off next week. And let me just say this, Rockbridge, okay? Listen, listen, listen. There is no better time than to invite someone to listen to the service with you. Either you connect with them digitally, get them into your house if you're comfortable with that. Bring them to one of our six campuses for Christmas journey at Rockbridge. Because here's what we're going to do. And I, I wrote a blog about this a couple of weeks ago, right? More than anything else. My core conviction, the core conviction of this church is we have got to be telling people the story of Jesus Christ. What our church has got to be known for above all other things is a church that is clear and passionate and bold about Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and raised. Jesus Christ, the one who came to save people from their sins. Jesus Christ, so people might ask you, People might ask you, people might look to you and say, God, you're comfortable and you're uncomfortable. Why? What can I do to have what you have? And that brings me to the third thing. God, would you give us an alertness for open doors? Not the open doors of escape and easiness. Not the open doors of, oh, this will make my life better but the open doors of God. Maybe I can tell this person about what Jesus did for me and why I follow him. That's a prayer and that's a purpose. God wants to see that prayer answered and that purpose fulfilled. 
in 2020, in 2021, and beyond. So would we say yes to that? God, let our perspective be shaped by praise. God, let us be devoted to your purpose. And God, as we go to all our places and meet all these people and see all these people, may we be alert for open doors no matter what. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. And we're going to keep praising you no matter what. God, I pray right now that people's perspective is being reshaped by the praise that we're offering you. God, I pray right now that we begin to look at where we're at and admittedly, some of it's uncomfortable or much of it's uncomfortable. But God, I pray that in that we would see and be alert for open doors from you. And that God, if you're calling us to stay in the uncomfortable, like you called Paul and Silas to stay for the sake of your purpose being fulfilled and someone getting an invitation, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, God, find us faithful and committed to stay, to wait, to go through that open door. God, may our church remain steadfast in the preaching and the teaching and the telling and the witnessing of who you are, King Jesus, and what you've done to save people from their sins. We love you, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.